So many powerful stories during this series. I encourage you to go to ilikegiving.com. You can see more and more of those uh, stories. This series has just been great. We've been going through this uh, book called I Like Giving by Brad Fornsma. Uh, we have copies of that book, by the way, in the Next Steps room. Uh, we've got them. If you want them, go back there. You can, you can purchase them at a deeply discounted rate, cheaper than you can get them anywhere else. We want to put this book in everybody's hands, though, because it, it's a whole new concept to giving and how giving is really a lifestyle of generosity. And it's just been a tremendous series. Just for me personally, when I read this book, it just helped me get a new mindset towards being generous to others. And so we've been looking at these different I like things, and this week what I want to talk to you about is I like grace. I like grace. So if you have a Bible, let's go to the book of Luke. The book of Luke is in the New Testament. If you have a paper Bible, about three-fourths of the way through that paper Bible. If you don't have a Bible, they're free. They are in the Next Steps room after the service. Just go back there, and they'll make sure that uh, you get one. Luke's Gospel and the seventh chapter. Now, Luke was not a disciple. If you're new to church or new to reading Scripture, Luke was not a disciple of Jesus, but he was a follower of Jesus, and he converted to Christianity after Jesus' death and resurrection, and, and he was a companion of Paul. So he went around with Paul and, and saw Paul's uh, missionary journeys, and then he also had some eyewitness accounts. So he talked to a lot of the apostles. Um, some even believe he talked to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and he wrote all of these accounts and, and put them together so that we could have this story of who Jesus was. And that's what the Luke, book, book of Luke is all about. So go to Luke chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 36. Verse 36. And I'm reading out of the NLT. So if you have a mobile device, you can also uh, go to corechurch.com, download a Bible app there. I'm in the NLT, so that's the version I'm going to be reading out of. It says this, One of the Pharisees, who was then Pharisees were the religious leaders of their day. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought this beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet and she was weeping. Her te tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And and she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee, the religious leader, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, he's not speaking this out loud, but he's, he's thinking this, I mean, if this man knew, uh, if this man were a prophet, he, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. So by the way, people might not know what you're thinking, but God knows what you're thinking. And that goes both ways. That's good, and that can be bad. But Jesus knew what he was thinking, and he said this, Simon, I have something to say to you. Oh, man, do you want Jesus to say that? You're like, oh. He's like, go ahead, teacher. What an idiot. I'd just be like, hey, can this wait till later the dinner, when the dinner's over? We'll have a private meeting. You can tell me instead of in front of all my friends. No, he just tells him right there in front of everybody. And Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he, he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. He says, who do, you, who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman. He said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears. Wiped them with her hair. You, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You, you neglected the common courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. 
so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. And then Jesus said this to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said this to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray as we prepare to hear from God this morning. Thank you, Father, for this word. Thank you for this time of worship we have right now to be in your house. You're so good to us. And I just want to ask you, church, to uh, pray for the people around you. Again, you might know them, you might not. You don't have to pray out loud, but just just pray that um, they would be open to what God wants to speak to them. And and pray for yourself that you would be open to hear from him. And pray for me as your pastor, uh, that I would speak only what the Holy Spirit wants me to say. Uh, And if you're ready to hear from the Word of God, give me a big amen. Amen. Well, there are some things that uh, evoke strong feelings and emotions in in all of us. And when we see or we hear these things, we all are just instantly, we have an opinion about it or a strong feeling about it. For for example, this. Cats. Cats. How many of you are uh, not, uh, how how many of you are cat lovers in here? Cat lovers, all right. Cat Cat haters, cat haters in the house. Everybody, yeah, everybody has an, has an opinion and, and strong feelings about cats. And it seems like, it appears like it's men who, who don't like cats as much as women love cats. And I, I think the reason is, is because, ladies, the cats remind us of, of you. Now, hold it. I'm going to take the bullet, men. I'm going to take it right now. Because a cat is so unpredictable, and you can't figure out the cat. Like the cat will do, here's, here's the cat, meow, and you're like, oh, hey, kitty, right? Man, you're like, hey, honey, and she's like, hey, and you're like, hey, and you're like, whoa, I didn't even know you were mad at me. I couldn't tell. I didn't know. Cats, we all have strong feelings about cats. Here's another one. Bacon. Mmm. Bacon. Anybody here not like bacon? All right, there's a church right across the street, and they would more than welcome you into their congregation. How do you not like bacon? Let me just preach to this side of the room because these are the spirit-filled believers in Christ right over here. Well, they need some salvation on that side of the room. And I love bacon. And, and I, think this, I think this is true, too, is that, that men, men love bacon more than women Love bacon. I, I, don't, I, I don't know why that is, but I, I have a theory on, on that one as well. It's because bacon reminds women of men. Be, because at first they are hot and sizzling, are they not? And then, and then they just end up fat and greasy. That's just how it goes down. Huh? That's how you save yourself when you're doing public speaking right there. I mean, ladies, you walk in, he's like, hey. He's got his cutoffs on, his Leonard Skinner t-shirt, and he's flipping through the sports channels. You're like, what is this? This is not the man I married. <laughs> Strong emotions and feelings. Here's another one right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was in Colorado a couple weeks ago, and we were in one of the small towns, and we were driving down the main street, and I saw this guy with his family. He had an Oklahoma Sooners shirt on, so I rolled down my window, and I said, Boomer! That's the response. And he just goes. 
And I thought, well, maybe he didn't understand me. And so I'm like, boomer! And he's just like, what? And I got out of my car and I just said, give me that shirt back right now. You are undeserving. You just go topless the rest of the time you're here. Yeah, boomer! Okay, all right. Okay, uh, how about this one here? Here's this one. <laughs> yeah. Strong feelings and emotion. Let's try this again. Orange. Yeah, there's less of you but more powerful. I love that about OSU fans. I do. I, I love that about you. Uh, you know, I mean, and it's, it's just it's so hard being an OSU fan because you're like, oh, yeah, OU ranked third in the Big 12 this year. Stick it to them. Hey, what are we ranked? Fourth. Dig it. It's like always having that brother that you can't. You can't live up to. I mean, it's just, uh, there's so many. Here's, here's, a, here's one more, one more, one more. The, the man bun. What is the man bun? This is like a 20-something. I don't get it. I just, I don't understand. I, I mean, it's kind of cool, I think. I'm not sure if it's cool. It's a 20-something. I think for men, though, it should be like a 40 or 50-something because this is when we need the man bun because we got a little less grass back here. We just pull it back and bun it up. Any of the men with me? No, okay, no. We're not, we're not doing that. All okay. right. Here, here. Here, here's another one. This is this, how, how about this one right here? Yeah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's going to talk about money. I just knew it was coming. That's the offering bucket. Oh, Lord. We all have strong feelings and, and opinions about this, don't we? I mean, I mean for, for some of us, this is what I would call the, the bucket of guilt. Like when it comes by on a Sunday, you know you should be good, but you, you don't really have a lot of money, and so you may, sometimes you'll like hit the bottom of it so the change pops up and down, <laughs> so it sounds like you gave something. Or you bend over to tie your shoes so the bucket goes over the top of you. Oh, did I miss it? I didn't know I, I missed, missed the offer. You take like a gum wrapper and fold it up to look like a bill, toss it in there. We've gotten a few gum wrappers. Wrigley's is the best because it's green. For, for some people, this is the, this is the bucket of, of obligation. Like you're a follower of Jesus and you, you give, but the reason you give is because you're obligated to do so because the word says that thou shalt give. And so when your pocketbook opens, it's like... It's the bucket of obligation. For some people, it's, it's the bucket of manipulation. It's just this, hey, <laughs> there it is again. Church just wants my money. Oh, this is it. I came on the Sunday. The preacher's going to talk about my money. Man, so I'll tell you, the church just wants my money. It's the bucket of manipulation. For, for others, it's the tip jar. It's like you look, at the, you look around, you're like, look at this facility. Look at this church. This church don't need no money. And so you like, you'll tip God, you'll, you'll, you'll toss a five in there, and you'll, you'll give that to God, and you go, hey, don't spend that all in one place now, God. Make that baby stretch. And it becomes this, like a tip jar. We all have strong opinions and, and feelings about offering. And throughout this series, this series has really been just about a lifestyle of generosity, going beyond money. 
In fact, we have the 31-day giving challenge going on right now. You can look in your program, and you can see the different challenges this week or go online uh, to our website. You can see every day there's a different challenge. And so the challenges every day are different. Sometimes it's uh, give a shout-out to someone on social media. That was one that we had for this week. Uh, Speak a kind word over someone. Maybe... uh, clean out your closet and give some stuff away to somebody in need. There's all these different giving challenges. But, but what we do know as followers of Jesus is that through, throughout this book, through, throughout Scripture, we see that we're called to give to God. And we're called to give to him and give to his local church, wherever we call home. That's where God calls us to give. And we see that from the beginning of the Bible through the end, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And here's the thing about giving and giving back to God. He, he intended it, he intended the offering to be this joyful experience. It's supposed to be fun to give. But for so many people, it's not. Why? Why is it not a pleasant experience? Why is it hard for us, even when we talk about giving, for us to sit in our seats and just kind of cringe and go, man, when's he going to be done talking about this? Really, when we come at this time and we start talking about giving and giving back to God, this should be the one time the church leans forward and goes, oh, man, it's my favorite Sunday of the year. I love this, but it's so often it's not. Why? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Okay, because I think this is why. We don't have a giving problem. We don't have a giving problem. We have a grace problem. We don't have a giving problem. We have a grace problem. I want us to look at these two people here in this, in this story, and I'm going to show you the problem that we have when it comes to grace, because one of them gives exponentially gives an unbelievable, generous gift, doesn't even think about it. And the other person in the story struggles giving, struggles with generosity. And I think it really comes down to understanding grace. Let's go back to the beginning of that story, verse 36. Again, let's read it again. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home, sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Now, can we just acknowledge the elephant in the room here? This just sounds weird to us, doesn't it? Is that not just a little bit odd? I mean, unless you're you're up on your... Um, New Testament studies and, 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 and watched a lot of the History Channel. Just be this is a little odd. I mean, if somebody right now in the middle of my message got up, came up here, took off my shoe, started weeping on it, putting perfume on it, and crying and wiping it with her hair, y'all wouldn't be like, that's the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. <laughs> You'd be like, what's going on? So let's just address that quickly, Okay. I don't spend much time on that, but I want you to understand, this is really the custom of their day. As odd as it seems to us, this is just what they did. If you had a dinner party for somebody and they came over, more than likely they had traveled a great distance and it was in a very, very hot area, dry area, and so they, they would take expensive perfumes and oils and many times they put the oil over their head and it, was just, it would cool them and it was just a, a way of honoring your guest. 
They would come in, their feet would be dirty, and a servant many times would wash someone's feet. They may use perfume to do that. And, and then the kissing of the feet, you're like, what is that? In that culture, it was just a, it was a, a display of honor. When you would kiss someone, it was a great display of honor. And when you kiss their feet, it's a more, an even greater display of honor. And wiping with the, the hair and using that to wipe the feet, as crazy as that sounds to us, they, they just didn't have a, you know, a plethora of towels laying around. So if they didn't have a towel, what the ladies would do is they would wipe up, wipe up the excess with their hair. So it was the custom, it's just what they did. But here's what I want you to notice from this. What I want you to notice from the story is the stark contrast between Simon the Pharisee and the woman. Look at this, in, this contrast. I mean, when you look at this story, she's broken, she, she's weeping, she's humbled, she knows she's a sinner. When she comes into this dinner, she knows I'm not worthy of being here and being a guest with these religious people or with Jesus. That's why in verse 38, she comes in low. She comes in in this position of humility. She not only kneels at Jesus' feet, she, she kneels behind him. She takes the position of a servant. That's exactly what the servant was to do in that day. You don't kneel in front of him, you don't kneel to the side of him, you kneel behind them. She is broken. But in contrast to this woman is Simon, the Pharisee. Look at verse 39. When the Pharisee, this is Simon, who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. Let's say this together, what? She's a sinner. He, he doesn't view himself like her. He doesn't see himself like this lady. In fact, he elevates himself in this moment. He is physically elevated because he's up on like a couch of pillows at this moment, so he is physically elevated above her, but he's also elevating himself with the culture and society, and he's elevating himself spiritually and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not like her. Man, I, I, mean, I, I ain't like her at all. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a religious leader. I'm I'm a Pharisee. I mean, I, I keep the law. I go to the temple. I pray. I am. I ain't like that woman right there. Such a stark contrast between this woman and Simon the Pharisee. And I can tell you, if we're not careful, as followers of Jesus, we can have the same attitude as Simon and not even realize it. I mean, I see this happen just even what's going on in our culture right now. We just look at the people out and what's happening in our culture, and we go, oh, I am not like that. Lord Jesus, help them. Lord Jesus, I am not like that. God, God be with them. We come into church, and we, we hear testimonies. We hear these stories, our baptisms. We're going to have a baptism next Sunday. Excited about that. If you want to get baptized, fill out a next step card. We're going to do baptism next week. But every time we do a baptism, it's my favorite time because we hear these unbelievable stories these stories of brokenness, these stories of people who God has rescued out of just such horrific, awful things in their life, this deep, dark valley that they were in, and God pulled them out, and he rescued them. And sometimes we can be guilty of sitting out here as followers of Jesus and go, oh, yes, oh, praise the Lord, that's so good, that's so good, that's so good. I am glad that I have not done that. Did you hear what she did? <laughs> 
I've not done that, though. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I come to church. I'm in the church. I'm here like at least once or twice a month. I'm here at the church. And I, I just, I do, I, I'm good. I keep the law. I'm, I'm, I'm covered by the blood. Hallelujah. And, and we're not a whole lot different than Simon in this story. And what happens is we, we elevate ourselves. Elevate ourselves above others. Can I tell you, this is a very dangerous place for us to be. Very dangerous place for us to be. Because religious arrogance is the enemy of grace. Religious arrogance is the enemy of grace. Because it causes pride to come into us. It causes self-righteousness to come into us. Judgmental attitudes come into us. Hypocrisy comes into us. Condemning spirits come into us. That's who we are in danger of becoming. But this woman, this woman, she knows who Jesus is. She knows who, the, who Jesus is. And so, so she comes and, and she's got an alabaster jar. And it's, it's similar to, to this. And, and it's filled with this incredibly expensive perfume. And she takes it and she just pours it out on our Savior, pours it all out on his feet, and the entire thing breaks it. It's poured out onto the feet of Jesus, and, and Scripture tells us that she didn't just cry. She couldn't stop crying. She couldn't stop weeping. She, she couldn't stop kissing his feet. Why? Because she knew who she was, and she knew who Jesus was. She recognized this is the Savior, this is the one who can heal me. This is the one who can give me hope. Man. See, that's what happens when we understand grace, we pour ourselves out into generosity. When we understand grace, we just pour ourselves out in generosity like this woman did with this expensive perfume. We don't even think about it. Man, God, for what you did for me, I've got to give back to you and display my love to you. But Simon? See, Simon didn't have a giving problem. I think Simon had a grace problem. Because Simon didn't recognize that he was a sinner. He, he didn't see himself that way. He didn't see that, that he also was flawed, even though he may have been raised in the church and known the law and memorized scripture and been at the temple. He, he didn't know that he was no different than this woman. He didn't know that. He didn't see himself that way. And the truth is, for all of us in this room and this man on this stage, we are all the woman in the story. Because when I read that story, for some of you, when you read that story, you didn't see yourself as the woman. You, you saw the woman in the story, but you didn't see yourself as the woman. For many of you here today, when I read that story, you instantly, you, you saw yourself. I'm, I'm that woman. I, I know that I'm a sinner. If you move forward to verse 47, Jesus says her sins are many. Can I tell you that our sins are many? Your sins and my sins are many. The Apostle Paul, who Luke followed around, who was a companion of his, he wrote to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 2.1. Put this on the screen for you. The Apostle Paul said this, once you were what? You were, you were what? Once you were dead, 
because of your disobedience and what? Let's say this together. Your many sins. Listen, let's just, let's just have a little healing counseling session with one another. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are all jacked up. Okay? Let's just turn them around. You are all jacked up. Now turn back to that same person and say, I'm all jacked up. I mean, we're, we're all, we're all sinners. We're all in need of a Savior. I was talking about cats earlier, and I actually like cats. I, I love cats because cats got attitude. I just like them. They're just like, don't mess with me, man. I, I don't want you touching me right now. I'll be ready when I'm ready, and you don't mess with me. I love that about cats. I just, I just love that they got attitude about them. So I've always been a cat lover. We have a, a cat, and uh, we had a bunch of leaders over for a barbecue one day, and and my daughter, Skye, 16, she comes running downstairs in the middle of this party. She's frantic. She's crying. She's like, you got you to come. You got to come. Cal's up. And, she, and he's doing it. And I'm like, what? What's going on? It's Cal. And the air conditioning. And he's got, And he, you got to come. I'm like, oh, this must be bad. And so I, I go up the stairs. And, and, uh, and the sad thing is the men at the party heard something about a cat. And so they're like, I got to see this too. This is going to be awesome. And so they follow me. We all go up the stairs. And, and the cat... We have an air conditioning, uh, a window air conditioning unit on the upstairs in the kids' rooms because it just gets really hot up there. Well, one of the vents got opened a little bit, and he had crawled out onto the air conditioning unit. That's disturbing that you clapped. That is just disturbing. Wow. So <laughs> it's, it's cat. It's the cat reaction. Some of you are like, oh, my is the kitty okay? Is he, is he okay? Please get to that fast. I need to know. Is the kitty alive? He's still alive, okay? So the rest of you are like, what happened? Some of the men here right now are like, so did he like fall off because that would have been cool and did he land on his feet? That would have been awesome. So he's on this unit, and the girls in the room are like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. They're all crying. There's like five or six of them. We don't know what to do. And Jeremiah, my son, he's 17, and he goes into the room, and, he's, and he just walks in, and he lifts up the the window grabs the entire air conditioning unit and starts bringing it into the house. And the cat's like, whoa, dude, whoa, whoa, dude. <laughs> Brings him in, and he's okay. You and I need a Savior. You and I need a Savior. We all have this perception that we're out on this ledge. We have this thought, I'm out on the ledge and I need a Savior. And, and the funny thing is, is we have this perception of how far out on the ledge I am because I'm never as far out as somebody else is. Like I said earlier, I've, well, I've done this, but I've never done that. I am not that far out there. Some of you are like, well, I'm out there, but I mean, I can step back in at any moment. I can just save myself. I'll be fine. But that's not true. That's not what the Apostle Paul says in this passage here. See, the reality is we've all fallen off the ledge. We've all fallen off the ledge, and we're all dead because of our many sins. All of us. No one is exempt. We need grace. If you're taking notes, write this down. I not only need a rescue, I need a resurrection. I not only need a rescue, I need a resurrection. For some of you today, you got to come to grips with that. You didn't need a rescue. You need to be resuscitated. You needed a second chance at life. This is what Jesus did. He stepped into human history, and he resurrected us all from death 
to life. He came, if you're a follower of Jesus, and forgave your sins and breathed his spirit into your lungs and resurrected you up. You had no hope. I had no hope. We were dead in our sin, going nowhere, no second chance. Nothing's coming except for Jesus. Shows up on the scene, goes to the cross in the most giving, loving act of all time, and in that moment, breathes life back into you and to me. See, we don't have a giving problem. I think we have a grace problem. And this woman, she recognized her sinful state. She knew that she was a sinner and she needed grace. And she was desperate for it. Look at verse 47. I tell you, her sins, and they are many. This is Jesus talking. They have been forgiven. So she has what? Say this together. She has what? Shown me much love. Again, say it again. Shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. See, this is, this is the thing about this alabaster jar. See, I think what this alabaster jar represents and represented to her was grace. It was filled and overflowing with the grace of God. So much so she couldn't help but pour it back out in generosity. When you understand grace, you pour yourself out in generosity. And that's what this woman did. She saw this as a jar of grace. And I, I would just put this to you today. What if instead of seeing this as a, as a bucket of guilt or as a bucket of manipulation or as a bucket of obligation, what, what if we began to see this as a bucket of grace? What if we began to see when this came by on a Sunday and you saw this, that you recognized and you saw it, it's just overflowing with the grace of Jesus. Like it's, it's spilling out all over. There's, there's no way I can put back into here what he's put into me. It's, it's not going to happen. I can't give back what he's given to me. But when I see this as a, as a bucket of grace, I'll pour myself out in generosity. Because here's the deal. I'll stop seeing it as a transaction. So often we see it as a transaction between God and us. It's not a transaction. It's a display of grace, and it's a display of generosity. That's what God is calling us to do. I, I want you guys to meet somebody who I think gets that right now. Ashley, come on up. Ashley Reinhardt, come on up here. Give Ashley a hand as she's coming. Every week, we've had these videos that we've shown you from I Like Giving, but we've wanted to also introduce people in our own congregation that get the giving spirit, that get this act of, of generosity. And, and Ashley told me a story last week that I, I think just best displays, come on over here, we'll get you away from that, that table over there. Um, I think Ashley's story really represents the heart of what giving exponentially to God is all about. Ashley, tell, tell everybody what you did um, when the series first started. We have this thing called, let me mention this real quick, we have a 90-day giving challenge. And our 90-day giving challenge is simply this. You, you begin tithing. You can be giving 10% of what God has given to you. And we know that this is a biblical principle. And, and so if you begin tithing, we're going to come alongside you for 90 days. And if any time during those 90 days you have a bill or a need you can't meet, we want to come alongside you and help you and support you in that because we, we're a church. We're in this together because we believe in this. And so 
you took the 90-day giving challenge at the beginning of this series. Walk us through what God has done since that Sunday. Okay, I'm nervous to talk in front of people, so if I talk really fast, I'm sorry. Um, I watched that before the video. I just, you know, the money that I had, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the got-to-get-in-my-pocketbook type of person, too. Like, uh, I don't know what to do, but it was just put on my heart to, you know, try this and see that God is so faithful to you. And being a new Christian, I've been into it for about a year. You know, I, I took that leap of faith, and I put my money in that that white envelope, and I put it in that orange bucket, you know, and I didn't think nothing about it. Anybody else would be like, oh, how am I going to live without that money? I don't know what I'm going to do, you know. So I know I'm not the only one that does that. So I did it, and I didn't think nothing about it, and I watched that video, and that video, like, it touched my heart. Well, then Tuesday, I had a, a phone call from my son's heart doctors, and anybody that knows my son's story, he's been heart surgery after heart surgery. He was born three months early, and, you know, they did his surgery, and I'm in that waiting room, and I'm on my knees praying to God out loud, you know, like, I don't know what I'm going to do if I lose my son. You gave me this child, and what am I going to do? So I talked to the doctors after he's done, and he's in recovery, and I'm like, listen, I just want to know my son is okay so that I can go back to work and make a living for both of my children. You know, can my son go back to daycare without me getting a phone call? <sighs> Them doctors paid my rent for July and August to help me stay home with my son if I needed to, you know? And that's what that 90-day giving challenge has started with me, and that took two days. Mm. Two days. That Sunday, I put it in that orange bucket, and that Tuesday, my rent was paid for July and August. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so your story is, I, I like doctors. Yes. Could yes, I get I like those doctors' names and numbers? That would be amazing. I think I need a new doctor. Is that, can, can you even, I can't put my head around that. That's so amazing. You take the challenge and you give, and God just gives over and over and over. But then, and this is the part that it just um, means so much to me, because about a year ago is when you brought Elijah up, and we prayed right over here, and we anointed him with yes. oil, and he wasn't walking, and he had the heart problem. We were praying that God would heal him, and so God heals him through these doctors. He's healed now. He's well. He's 18 months old. Yes. And he's never walked. 18 months old. Never walked. And we've been praying and praying. So tell everybody what happened after the surgery. Well, we go home, and I'm home for a couple of days from work, and it's 4th of July weekend, and here comes that Friday. We're all off work. And it, this is three days after surgery, okay? And my son gets up, and he's a little wobbly, you know, and he starts walking across my living room, and I'm like, <laughs> he really just did that. Like, I've worked so long just to get him to walk. You know, if you're a parent, you know how it's like to get their, oh, yeah. the kids walking, crawling into everything. And I'm like, right after surgery? Like, the, it's just, it's amazing. You know, it's, I, it's God. That's all it is. Amen. It's God. That's okay, it. so y'all want to see him walk? Because I, I know you want to see him walk. So this is, this is amazing. If you've been praying for baby Elijah, this is just so... Look at this. Yay! Yay! <laughs> oh, it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Praise God. Will you give them another hand? Thank them for sharing your story. 
Such a cute baby. That's the cutest kid ever. That's cuter than my kids. You take my kids, I'll take your kid. And so beautiful. That's the picture of grace. That's the picture of our God. That's who he is. And what he's saying is, recognize me for who I am. Recognize me for what I can do for you. Recognize me for the hope. I want to resurrect your life spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and even physically. Would you bow your heads? Just for a moment, just search your heart. Let God search you right now, just in this moment. God, what work do you want to do in me? What work of generosity do you want to do in me? If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, and you'd be honest and you'd say, Brad, I've kind of taken grace for granted. Man, I'm guilty of that. I'm Simon. I need God to forgive me of that. And I want him to have his rightful place. I want to fully surrender the area of generosity and giving to God. I want to fully surrender that to him. And I want to seek his forgiveness for taking his grace for granted. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. See you on the side here. In the middle, over on the sides. I've taken grace for granted. I just need God to forgive me for that. God, for those who are seeking your forgiveness, God, thank you that your forgiveness is abundant. That grace spills over. I pray they see that right now, like that alabaster jar. They see your forgiveness spilling over into their lives. And I pray your spirit, as they surrender to you, would help them to rise up in generosity because of grace. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, with every head bowed, maybe today is your day for salvation. Brad, I'm like that woman in this story. My sins are many. Are you telling me that God can forgive me? Yes. I'm telling you that grace is for you today. God says, I want to forgive you of that. That's what my son's life and death and resurrection were all about. So you could have forgiveness. So you could be made new. Maybe you've been far from God for a long time. Maybe you were once walking with him, but today you're like, I got to come back. I got to recommit my life to him. Brad, I've been away from God. I've not been following him, but today I want to recommit my life to him. Make this your prayer. God, I know I'm a sinner. Like the woman at your feet, I come. I kneel at your feet. I ask you for mercy. I ask you for grace. My sins are many, but I thank you that you forgive me in the same way that you forgave that woman. And you tell me to go in faith and receive my forgiveness. So today, God, I receive it. Today, I declare that I am a follower of Jesus. I will seek you and I will follow you. Thank you for that forgiveness. I'd like to know who you are. If you prayed that prayer, I will not embarrass you or make you come up here, but would you just slip up your hand so I know who you are today? Anybody pray that prayer? Got you over here on the side, here in the front, in the middle, over here on the side. Anybody else? I prayed that prayer of commitment to Jesus today. God, thank you. Thank you for forgiveness and for hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God a big hand clap and celebrate life? Celebrate new life and forgiveness and grace.